Billy Farrow fires Perth to top spot. We'll have City's World Cup star Hannah Wilkinson as our special guest in the studio on Dub Zone tonight. Wellington and Victory cancel each other out in what was a wild top four clash. And the Toronto Twins leave Adelaide seeing double as Cat Smith enjoys that winning feeling on the debut. Hello and welcome to Dub Zone. I'm Neve Owens. It's awesome to be back after the international window and to be here once again alongside A-League's commentator, Teo Palazzeri. Hello, Teo. Great to see you again, Neve. Good to see you. And you, former Matilda, Alicia Ferguson. Hello, Ish. Hello. And lovely to have you in the studio with us for the first time. Football fern, Manchester. Manchester City in the future. Melbourne City striker, <laughs> Anna Wilkinson. Hello. Hello. So good to see you. Good to see you. We've been taking this chance this week after the international window for both the Tillies who took on Canada and for your football fans up against Colombia to kind of look back on 2023, a remarkable year for a whole heap of reasons. If I ask you to talk us through, you know, a wee highlight to begin with, it's pretty clear what that's going to be, isn't it? Yeah, that night versus Norway for sure. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Best night of my life. This was New Zealand's first World Cup goal. It was the first World Cup of a home World Cup. The first World Cup goal in this moment, in this celebration. Did you realise how big a moment it was? Uh, yeah, look, it was just surreal. I think there was a special feeling that night. Um, it's the biggest crowd, biggest home crowd for sure that we've ever, we'd ever, um, you know, played up, played against, played in front of. And uh, yeah, just special feelings all around for the whole team. And it was just amazing. Really the biggest was. football crowd that New Zealand had ever seen at that point. Do people still text you about that? Yes, all the time. Yeah, I'm still getting messages. Yeah. Well, we're going to continue talking about it throughout the show, but we are going to have a look at our first A-League game of the weekend. And it is 1v2. It's your side, Hannah, City taking on Perth. Top of the table clash. We know that your City side hit hard by that international window. Five changes to the starting side. But if we look at the opening goal, things got underway in the usual City kind of fashion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a fantastic ball in from from uh, T there and uh, I was glad I was able to get my big noggin up (laughs) over that ball. Um, Yeah, it was good. It was a good start for us. Um, Had a lot of chances and unfortunately couldn't put those away, but... You know, we'll uh, learn a lot from this one, I think. It was a beautiful way to get things underway. It turned into, from that point on, Teo, the Millie Farrow show. It was her first hat-trick in pro football, the first hat-trick for glory since Sam Kerr, and anything related to Sam Kerr in Perth is not a bad claim to fame at all. Not at all, especially given that the miss earlier in the season against Melbourne victory was probably weighing quite heavily on Millie Farrow, but she broke through for that first goal away to Wellington, and now they are starting to flow. She was already getting the assists, she already had the work rate that was bringing the attackers into the game, and this was the payoff, a hat-trick here, uh, and it's Perth's first away win against Melbourne City since December 2016. That's technically another Sam Kerr stat, I guess. But uh, it was reflective of a Perth team that came with a plan and executed it very effectively, even though they did concede that first goal. Yeah, I was impressed with Millie Farrow. Just her her run, she was so direct and with purpose in behind, trying to sit on the shoulder of the defenders and then kind of cut in front of them um, so she was out of sight. But, Hannah, I wanted to ask you, you know, Stoddy wasn't there and she's such an experienced player, leadership and also joining in the attack organisation. Her and Taylor Otto have had a really good partnership this season. Do you feel like you missed her in this game? 
Yeah, honestly, a Stoddy, when she's going to be missing, it's going to be, like, obvious. I think she's such a, that good of a player. Um, you know, and it's also tough uh, having a completely different back line together. That's always hard to do, especially just straight away uh, into a match. So that's tough to do. But um, overall, you know, I think the, the ones that did start really did put on a good performance despite the result. I thought mm. they um, stepped up. And, you know, like I said, we had a lot of chances and we just couldn't put them away. And I've said this before, kind of like a, a City brand blueprint of playing where it's not necessarily about the conceding. Of course, you don't want to concede. You just want to score more goals than the opposition. But that's that's what's missing at the moment, some of those clinical finishes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we're a very attacking-minded team, of course, um, and defensively definitely want to tidy up there. We want to be a team that not only scores the most, but we also want those clean sheets. So, I mean, we're, we're never going to be satisfied. Uh, you know, right up until now, we haven't been satisfied, and now this loss, we're obviously going to have to look back and, and really learn from this and, and try and get better. One of those players who came into the back four was Carly Rossbacken, and that is a name each that I remember so well because we were in Grenoble. It was the 2019 Women's World Cup and she was called into the Matildas squad. It was such a meteoric rise for her and her debut was against Brazil in a crucial game. It's been tough since for her to match that trajectory because of injuries. Yeah, she's had an ongoing foot issue. You know, she's had it when she was overseas, numerous surgeries, and and sometimes you just don't have any luck in that. But even last year when I saw her at an event in Melbourne, she wanted to come back, her resilience to come back, not wanting this to affect her career long term. She's still young, still got lots of years left to play as well. But that's a real mindset that you have to focus on her after setback, after setback. And, and you know, credit to her for, for you said, Tao, that, what, she didn't think she was going to play this season or she wanted to get minutes this season. Yeah, during Dub at the Cup, uh, we actually asked, you know, how's the comeback trajectory looking and she said I want to come back and play this season so to be back by round seven at least hopefully that is the beginning of a build in minutes and game time that was a positive to see Carly Ross back and back we can't wait to see those minutes continue to grow on the other side of the injury equation we were sitting here talking about Holly Mack a few weeks ago Hannah her third ACL we were devastated for her here at the desk and I imagine for City as a squad it was magnified. We saw the football community really rally around it in this beautiful way. Can you tell us about what it's been like from a City perspective, how the squad has gotten around Holly Mack as she makes her way back? Yeah, I mean heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking for her. She's um, a stunning player and um, it was devastating for all of us as a team to see that uh, happen and you know, she was back at training the next day and that kind of shows that, you know, the team means everything to her and and we've got her back the entire way. So, um, yeah, we're with her each step of the way and uh, she's incredibly strong. And we have to remember her age as well. You know, Holly's still got plenty of playing years left in her. There's been other players that have had, Sarah Walsh, I think, had three cruciate ligaments before the age of 16 or 17. So she's still got plenty of time left in there and it's just wonderful that she's still in and around the team because it can be a lonely existence Mm. coming back, you know, when you're the only one in the gym just straight after surgery. I'm not sure that's where you headed straight after your second ACL. Straight back to the straight back to the gym, wasn't it, Yeah, each? that's, yeah, right. that's exactly what happened. <laughs> we had two games this weekend. That was one of them involving our top four. The other one saw Wellington take on Melbourne Victory. Hannah, you're aware of just how tough this travel schedule was for the football ferns. It blows my mind that despite five changes to the starting side and having been through the week they'd been through, they were able to eke something out of this game. 
Yeah, it's, it shows the depth um, that Wellington Phoenix have in that squad, and the and the way that Paul Temple has uh, managed those players is amazing. Um, you know, I'm really impressed. I'm not surprised. I really like Paul as a coach. He's coached me before, and he's fantastic. He seems to have a really clear game plan. Yeah. And the team's executing it. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can see them there. And I, I mean, they they never shy away from coming back from being a goal down. And I think that's a that's that's a hard thing to do, and they're they're doing it consistently. You can see a cohesion, can't you, in that play? Sometimes it's just like that fluidity when things just seem like the understanding within within that group of players and the belief, and as you said, the depth as well. It's just really really exciting to watch. Credit to Kelly Brown here with this long shot. She's still waiting for that first A-League women's goal, but it's already a comeback story for her. Initial Knicks season when they were in Wollongong, dropped from the squad last season, went back to the NPL, scored a bunch for MacArthur and has got her spot back. But speaking of NPL success mm-hmm. stories, Correa Aquino, that's two in two now for the Japanese national and that sort of tight angle finish, those were the shots she was just shelling on a regular basis uh, in order to get this call up to the league. However, second <laughs> half each, Phoenix should have won. They dominated the last half an hour yeah. and that was the most glaring miss there from uh, Speckmeyer that ultimately yeah. meant they had to go home with a draw. That's right, we've just shown it twice. Um, yeah, sorry about that, Speckmeyer, but she'll be absolutely kicking herself. You know, 1v1 with the keeper, you just want to see them pass into the corner so big opportunity missed there it's been a really big week for wellington because of the international window but also because of chloe knott's departure hannah i wonder if that news really resonated throughout the league because you're a kiwi but also across women's football that juggle of being a semi-professional athlete having work on the side and life was that something that you guys talked about when chloe knott was brave enough to talk about her departure yeah, honestly, it is a brave thing for her to do. Um, I'm really gutted for her. I'm really disappointed for her. Um, I think she's done us a massive service by making it apparent and speaking out about that issue because it is a reality, but it's not a reality that's talked about enough. And so she's done a really selfless thing here and actually spoken out about that. And, um, yeah, it's important that this is recognised and that the investment in women's football needs to and women's sport in general needs to be looked at because, you know, she can't play professionally you know she can't like afford it so it's it's, it's a heartbreaking thing so it's a difference each between full-time athlete and a professional athlete exactly honey you've been in that situation before I was back when I was a full-time athlete and I had to work mm. full-time as well you know we were training the same amount of hours you just had to earn a living or the girls were going to university in between so I think we need to be a bit careful about saying some of these players are professional when we're still on the cusp there's a bit of a gray area in there and I know you've had experience of it as well and and it's just the protection of the players and the well-being of the players too because it's a lot to take on. Yeah, super brave from Chloe this week to speak out about it. I want to tell you about the Liberty Passes and I know I've done this each and every week but as we talk about that next gen coming through and making sure that there are much better systems around them, supporting them in their progression, the Liberty Passes let your youngsters, your under 16 year olds get along to A-League women's games right across the country. Over 26,000 people have signed up. You've got until December 31 to get involved. I've got a seven-year-old. She's got a Liberty A-League pass. In fact, she just thinks you get into football for free. And you can if you've got a Liberty A-League pass. So get involved and make sure you've got one. We saw heaps of fans in Newey today to see Newcastle take on Sydney. Teo, this is a classic rivalry. I love it. And we saw on the bench for Sydney, Shay Connors and Courtney Vine. 
as far as substitutes go, they ain't a bad pair to bring on. And this was always going to be the struggle for Ante Juric coming into the season, which attackers to play. So he's gone with the f- player that was perhaps in the best form coming into the game, Fiona Wirtz, but... To be able to go to Connors and Vine, and that ultimately led to the match-winning goal after a wealth of chances that weren't taken. Mm. Sydney will feel as though they got no less than they deserved in this game, and given how little Newcastle created in attack, this was a half-field game for so much of the full 90. Yeah, they'll still be frustrated, though. Poor Isabel Nino, the goalkeeper, just didn't clear her lines well enough. Princess Sabini came in really well. Snuck that ball across for Courtney Vine. I mean, when you're under the pump that much, it just the, the, it's that concentration, isn't it? Because it's really it's tiring to defend that much. And what was there, 16 shots that um, that Sydney had against Newcastle? It's just it, it's tough to say switched on. Vine came on in the 54th minute, obviously mm. scored the winner, first goal of the season. So these are all important benchmarks as she gets back to full speed. And we know what an asset she is just to the league, to Sydney FC. But to come back and score a match winner like that, it doesn't matter if it's a two-yard tap-in, they all count. We had Courtney Vine and Emily Van Agmon both on the part together. We get to keep Em for one more week. She takes on Western next weekend. Having those Tillies back in the fold is a big deal, isn't it, for our game? Absolutely. I mean, the more, I mean, that just adds more and more quality to the game. Um, it makes the game exciting because, you know, the standard is being lifted. Uh, it makes the teams very, very competitive. It just lifts everything. It really does. And it has done that for Newcastle. Heaps of possession. Couldn't create as many chances as they would have liked with it today. But they had Emily Van Egmond back, each, despite the fact she was in action with the Matildas against Canada. That wraps up our international window for 20. 20- 23. When you look ahead to next year, the Olympics coming up, we found out this week that the likes of Team GB, the likes of Sweden won't be there. What are you looking forward to in that Olympic setup? Well, those two teams not being there for a start, <laughs> seen as, you know, we come up with it against them quite a lot. Look, this is probably, our, could potentially be our last opportunity to see some of our more experienced Matildas at a major tournament um, and having the really short turnaround between Tokyo because of the delay because of COVID into a successful World Cup where we got our best ever finish. Just really excited to see what the Tillies can do in Paris. Both the Tillies and your football fans still looking to clinch that Olympic spot. It's looking very positive at the moment for both sides. Do you feel like Yitka's instruction coming in, Hannah, was to broaden the pool from a Kiwi perspective? And what impact do you think the Knicks and having that team in a professional competition has had on the football fans? Yeah, look, the introduction of the Wellington Phoenix and hopefully Auckland soon uh, is going to, you know, shine the light on a lot of the young talent that is coming through New Zealand. Um, you know, a lot of the time they're quite hidden in colleges, maybe um, some uh, Kiwis that weren't known to be Kiwis until, you know, Yitka <laughs> went and found them. So, yeah, it's good. It's really important to have that kind of exposure to um, national team coaches because, uh, I mean, having depth is so important Mm. Um, and you can see you know with Wellington Phoenix success that that depth is there and is it also like the support structure of the facilities as well you know Paul Temple coming through that academy system as well for those players that whole pathway is so crucial so they can actually see where they're going absolutely it's it's like a you know an establishment a foundation to actually allow players to step up and show what they can do because they have the means to do it which is really important you mentioned Auckland there as well. They'll be looking for some marquee signings. That's your foot, isn't it? <laughs> it's close, yeah, definitely. Where's yeah, um, that, that it's, phone? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's very exciting. I think, uh, you know, having another Kiwi team and that's yeah. only going to add to the buzz from the World Cup. I know New Zealand is really eager about women's football after 
uh, that amazing night and uh, having a World Cup at home, I think a lot of Kiwis suddenly realised there were other sports outside of rugby. So, <laughs> And women's football was right there and I think they're still excited about it. I think that's why there's such a fan base with Wellington Phoenix and um, just having another Auckland team, particularly Auckland where uh, football is quite central to that city as well. So it's only going to be amazing things, bring yeah. amazing things. Yeah. Your goal was at Eden Park, wasn't it? It was. And as Aussies, <laughs> we celebrated that goal hard. We don't often celebrate things that happen at Eden Park. It was a real highlight. Let's go to the nation's capital, Teo. Canberra took on Brisbane. It was the Vesna Milivojevic show, wasn't it? It certainly was. A hat-trick, first hat-trick. She'd scored three doubles previously in A-League women's football. And really, she's had the league on a string this season. Scoring from everywhere, loving the goal celebrations and, and the mood. And really, Canberra, they're good for three to four goals a week. It's really just a question of can the opposition keep up with them. They were a buzzsaw in the first half today. And unfortunately for the Brisbane Roar, Canberra did what they always do. The Roar weren't able to do what many of Canberra's opponents had been doing and match them in a shootout. Uh, no, no. I think, look, the Raw will be really disappointed with their defensive efforts. Down that left-hand side with Holly McQueen as the right-back for the Raw, I think Canberra just had too much space down that side. Whether she's trying to push on and um, Alex Smith is trying to get them on the front foot more, more of an attacking style, really take it. But they just weren't up for it today and I just think they'd be really disappointed with some of that defending. Fesna Milivojevic rode the old footballing roller coaster today, Teo. We saw the hat trick, but then we also saw a knee injury. And of course, with the knee injuries we've had so far in the Liberty A League this season, and indeed internationally, you hate seeing these scenes. You worry immediately. And this was shortly after she'd completed the hat trick. Again, slightish shoulder to shoulder contact, but in terms of uh, the legs, non contact really. Left the ground with an ice pack on, walked up the tunnel. We'll wait nervously on scans. We hope it's good news. Vesna, you know, initial reaction was one of concern, but she also, you know, such a fearsome competitor. You know, you can see the pride that she had to walk away and not want to sort of, you know, drop the poker face. So this is, after after losing Holly Mack from the league, Vesna was on track to, to win the doll and win the golden boot, light up the league every week. We're talk, looking at 20-plus goals, potentially, for the season in a 22-game season, and now it's a nervous wait, and I hate it. I hate that we're here so often uh, with some of the best players in the country. Yeah, we'll be keeping everything crossed for her, that's for sure. You mentioned the raw defence there, Ish. We know Alex Smith is new in charge. We know he's trying to make changes. How worrying is it that particularly on that right edge, the defence looked at sixes and sevens at times today? Yeah, it is concerning. I think it's the the manner and the the space. But again, I, you know, I think they had a really solid week in training. They're obviously trying to up the ante, up the intensity and really be on the front foot against the opposition. But... Some days, look, I'm just going to say, I, I think Holly McQueen on that right-hand side will just be having... No, you know, she didn't have a great game. I think positioning-wise, she kept trying to step in. There was space in behind. Tegan Thompson on the other side, I think, for the second um, Milivojevic goal. Wasn't great positioning either. That sometimes happens when you're asking them to push on to get forward to join in the attack. Um, so I, I don't think they'll be looking forward to the video analysis session this week. With, with that said, the two camera goal scorers other than Vesna were Sophia Christofferson and also Mary Stanich Floody. Christofferson a homegrown, so credit to the Canberra United Academy. And you saw the post-game scenes and the goal celebrations. This is a turning point for them. They're always slow starters. Last season under Vicky Linton, last season uh, under Negos Popovic, third season in a row, we'd got to round seven and Canberra still hadn't won a game. 
They're a streaky team. I think they go on a streak from here. Tell you who else <laughs> will be hoping that this was a turnaround moment. That's Western United. They took on Adelaide this weekend. It's Cat Smith's first game in charge, Teo. And we saw the Taranto twins absolutely light up this football game. Playing alongside your sister would be epic. To combine in the way we saw them do today is next level. Yeah, and not the first time this season that they one had assisted the other for a goal. They have, they've always played in the same team. And it's funny because when they started at Melbourne Victory, as teenagers, they'd come through the junior Matildas. There was a genuine debate about, you know, are they treading on each other's toes to be playing in the same team? And they spent a good four seasons out of the A-League system. They had to take care of themselves, their fitness, their form, you know, the motivation to come back and play at this level. And expanding the league is the reason we've got to see these two back at Western United and now back as top players in this competition. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Strong contribution, Ferguson. Thank you so much. We asked Kat Smith, the new coach of Western United, about that performance, about that combination between the Taranto twins after the game. Well, first of all, Mel and Age are really great people um, and obviously really good footballers. They, they often speak about this intuition they have about each other on the football park and obviously we saw that yesterday. Um, that was obviously backed up by a whole team performance um, and that came from the girls really embracing uh, some of the new uh, challenges that we, we gave them um, during the week to, to obviously apply them to this weekend's game. Um, so that's really pleasing to see. Obviously, it got a little bit hairy there at 2-1, um, but, you know, just their, their ability to keep fighting and the belief in what we we're trying to do to see out the game, um, I'm really proud of them. It's a really special moment for Western with their new boss there at the end of the game. And Kat mentioned there each, the 2-1 scoreline. She made a change to their formation. Talk us through how it worked tonight, particularly in an attacking sense. Yeah, I've got more to add on this one. So yeah, it's not my last sense. Well, she had, I, I just think she's, she's changed it to a 4-2-3-1, which actually suits Hannah Keane a lot better. In that focal point, that role, it also allows Chloe Legazzo to, to just roam around in that number 10. And I think they looked a lot more comfortable in this in this game I think it suits them I think it suits Chloe Chloe wants to get on the ball and Hannah I think when she was playing a little bit out of position in some of those wide areas she just wasn't utilized enough she's got some good pace and she actually had a couple of chances that she she could have scored a couple more and for Adelaide they've won one of their last 20 it's it's a real issue here where to from here they've got Wellington at home next week then they've got Wanderers and Newcastle away back to back they will jag a win from somewhere but as far as going back to the drawing board and searching for ideas, I mean, winless in seven, one win in their last 20, it's really starting to stack up. Weston are going to be talking about the fact that that's one win from one under Kat Smith, who thought she would have been spending this season coaching the Western Sydney Wanderers. That changed on the cusp of the season kicking off. She's in charge of Western United now. She was good enough to have a bit of a yarn with us after the game. And I asked her about what she'd learned about herself as a coach in this couple of months that she's had unexpectedly out of the game. I'd like to think I'm pretty resilient. Um, I've lived a life that's had plenty of ups and downs already. Um, certainly in football, it can be pretty unpredictable. Um, but what I learned most about myself is how much love and passion I have for the game, um, how much I'm fulfilled by purpose um, and having connection with people. Um, so football has always been a vehicle for that. Um, so being back, uh, I'm thrilled and to be able to be back in my hometown is, is really special. 
Big thanks to Kat Smith for sending us through those answers after that win with Western United over Adelaide. It is almost Christmas. It's also almost your night round. It is coming around five weeks time. Make sure you get your tickets because this is going to be an epic few days of football in city. I love this city already. To have all the teams across the Isuzu Ute and the Liberty A-League here for a few days is going to be brilliant. And Hannah, this is something that other codes celebrate and get together, but each of them only do it in their men's competitions. The NRL does it in Queensland. The AFL has around as well. How special will it be for the players of both the Isuzu Ute and the Liberty A-League to be celebrating this together? Yeah, it's awesome. It's so cool. It's just finally like an indication that, you know, the women's is being treated as the same as the men's and we're getting, you know, the the equal treatment that we deserve. And uh, yeah, it's exciting and it's exciting for the fans, especially Mm. off the back of the World Cup this year. So... Yeah, it's awesome. You'll take on the Wanderers, I'm pretty sure, in your night round, who Teo had a big win over the Mariners this weekend. A lot of the stats were the same, but we saw the Wanderers play on the break. We saw them use that pace on the edges, and they did it. It paid dividends. Yeah, I mean, the Mariners didn't watch Dove Zone. I warned everyone last week about the 4 by 100 Wanderers team <laughs> and how quick their players are. This was Kush LaRue sprinting down the wing to set up Sophie Harding. Four goals in 43 prior to this season. Now she has six in this season alone. It's a breakout season. It's awesome to see. And the Wanderers, they're starting to really rally and get people on side with the vision that they're building. Yeah, I think Robbie Hooker's done a really good job. He's changed the formation, a 3-5-2. Again, it's about having a look at your players and, and what is going to suit them, what they're comfortable with. I thought Amy Harrison played really well at the back. She was stepping in and actually breaking the lines to join in with the attack. And, and again, just utilising the pace of Sophie Harding. I've, you know, I've spoken to Tom Samani, who's with the Wanderers as well, and... It's about if if there's space in behind, then let's use her. Like if it, you know, rather than trying to play a specific style that might not suit your players, I think they look like they've got more purpose. They're, they're taking more care with their passing and with the with the ball possession as well. So I think it was a good performance. And just to, to soften it for the Mariners, international window really did them no favours. Ergamal, Peter Trimmis both on the bench uh, after coming back from international duty. The game was on Friday. That makes sense. It was 40 degrees in Sydney on Saturday. They did the right thing moving the game forward, but it didn't help the Mariners in terms of people getting off flights and getting back available for club football. Yeah, we saw that across the board this weekend, didn't we? We looked at Sophie Harding there, Hannah, with a brace. Are there times as a striker that you find your groove and you're getting the service you need from your team and it just feels like everything works all of a sudden? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's no better feeling than when you do your job as a, as a forward um, after your team has done all of that hard work to kind of put it on a platter for you. So, yeah, there really is no better feeling. And she's an amazing striker. She's done really well in that game. It's absolutely working for them at the moment. In that game, Ish, we saw Sarah Ho, an assistant referee, bring up her 100th Liberty A-League game. I loved the scenes in the pre-game when she walked out there with her daughter, who's travelled all over the world with her. She's at the top of her game and she's plied her trade internationally. The first official to bring up that milestone in the Liberty A-League. We, as commentators, as pundits, 
often give refs a very hard time. In fact, you have in your day, and I feel like this is a great opportunity to say sorry to Sarah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Sarah, remember, remember this. Players don't know the laws of the game. Of course we don't. And then they put us in as commentators. No, it was a time, actually, I really appreciate it. It was um, a, a game in Canberra, actually, and there was, a, there was a potential penalty call, and I couldn't understand how the conversation was going on between the assistant referee and the referee, which I said in commentary. And the next time when I was in Canberra, Sarah actually came up to me and actually explained the way they communicate with the buzzers and all the rest of it. And it was great and really helpful. But, you know, we, we are our own worst enemy as well because they are the experts. And, and Sarah's been such a, a wonderful assistant referee for so long. So... And take such pride in it as well, yeah, absolutely. which I love. You would have forgotten that within two minutes of full time. She was still thinking about it a week later. Yeah, but also the education process. You know, I, I think sometimes the referees and ex-players or pundits and things like that, there's a bit of distance between them and I can completely understand why, but I just really appreciated that Sarah educated me on that. And, you know, I think more having more of that conversation, whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch, is really helpful. Big congrats to Sarah on her century and to Hannah Wilkinson on her dub zone debut. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> Thank us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it's been it. brilliant to have you here with us. We're going to say goodbye to Hannah now as we have a look at the Liberty A-League ladder. And I swear we're not only saying goodbye because City are just not on top <laughs> anymore. Perth Glory with that win against Melbourne City this weekend. Perth Glory jumped to the top of the table. Wellington Phoenix and Melbourne Victory shared the points. Taylor, when you look at the ladder, what did we learn about our top four this week? Well, I think that uh, they're all very evenly matched and that Sydney, with two games in hand, that Courtney Vine winner is vital because if they win those two games in hand, they're on 15 points, they're right up there competing for the title. Had that been a draw, all of a sudden they're just competing to get back into the top six. We know that by game 14 of the season, everyone will have caught up on all the games they owe, but for now, we've still got a little bit of a skew in the ladder as teams uh, play those catch-up games. Nalene Masto has been good enough to join us. Hey, Nalene. Hey, guys. Lovely to be back. Lovely to see you again. You're joining us for What's Trending in the World of Women's Football, and I love that we're starting with Emma Hayes. Her post-match press conferences are exactly that discussion you were talking about before in terms of educating your audience. She speaks so beautifully, and once again, she nailed her point this week. Absolutely. Brilliant press conference from Emma Hayes in response to former England player Joey Barton, who took to socials and criticised the role of women in football media, stating that women shouldn't be talking any or shouldn't be talking with any sort of authority in the men's game, in which Emma Hayes responded, each in her pre-match presser, that um, all because, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, this sexism still exists within society, but unless you actually have experienced that systemic misogyny on a regular basis, it's really difficult to understand just how problematic these conversations are. But what specific areas have you seen on a more positive note that there has been progress in this space for females? I mean, huge progress, I think, in one of the biggest leagues in the world, the English Premier League, where we've got the Karen Carneys, the Enya Lukos. There's plenty of ex-England internationals that are now that are now embedded in that coverage. And because they have the experience and they have the knowledge and um, exactly completely agree with what Emma said. And I love I love listening to her answers because they're so insightful and always educate the audience. And it's so great that she has such a powerful platform and and really helps to push forward. You know, Emma, Emma could easily be a head coach of a men's team. There, there is no, it's just good coaching or that's it. There's no, there should be no gender bias. And that's, I think, all we're asking for is to take away the gender bias. She said exactly that so beautifully. I feel like any water cooler conversations that came up this week, you could have just been like, go and have a look at what Emma Hayes said. Yeah. I quote it. 
That's it. Exactly. That's the point. 100%. Another thing this week, Nalene, is UEFA. They've set up that task force into ACLs in women's sport. It feels like this is not before time. It's a really positive step to take and a needed one to say the least. But yeah, UEFA to introduce a women's health expert panel to focus on the prevalence of ACL injuries. And the first step in doing so is to put out a questionnaire that can be completed by any individual within the women's football community, whether it be players, coaches, doctors, physios, just to gain a real general consensus as to how best to formulate a proper injury prevention and management plan uh, that will be released at some point in 2024. As a player, you've had you know, your fair share of ACL injuries, <laughs> but what is there a specific area of research you think hasn't quite been addressed yet? I think it's just actually collating all the research together. You know, I think that's what people... People don't think there is research or the research has been biased towards the male athlete. So I think it's just making sure that there's there's one place where people can tap into and that's worldwide so we can actually start seeing the trends about conditions and you know whether it's tracking menstrual cycles and things like that we just need to continue gathering that information because as we've seen even in the a-league women's you know it's going to continue happening it's going to continue happening it's more prevalent in women and we just need to continue on with the fight against it now, Aisha, we're not going <laughs> to get you off the hook here. Neve mentioned it earlier in the show. Well, what happened the day after you had your ACL surgery? Rehab principles. We have <laughs> principles in play. We've okay. got evidence mm. here. Yeah, right. Can mm. I explain this? Okay, so this was Please the first. Do. Yeah, this was the first season of the W League. <laughs> okay, right. So this is the day after. Orders? Yeah, no, this orders, is, well, it's it's a, right. I did my ACL in the semi-final <laughs> against Sydney. We won the grand final against Canberra. I got my surgery. This was my retirement party. My best mates, Kate McShay and Claire Nichols, picked me up from the hospital, straight from the hospital, the day after my surgery, and took me down to a houseboat to celebrate my retirement. So that's how I spent four days. Couple of tourists looking after their teammate. What? Look, I was celebrating that we'd won the W League. I was absolutely gutted that I'd missed the grand final, absolutely gutted. So I decided to celebrate retirement. Speaking of Matilda's, <laughs> a, a slightly more professional one in Sam Kerr, <laughs> she has no shortage of career opportunities moving forward, Nalene. We've seen her add to her tally this week. Honestly, she was on the cover of a magazine during the week. Now she is giving haircuts to her teammates. This was posted by Euro Wrighton on her TikTok. And look, it looks like a fresh trim, like from these angles. It looks pretty good. HD, yeah. Are you impressed? I mean, Sammy, I wouldn't be asking somebody to give me a haircut, but I mean, look at her, she's done a great job. Is there anything she can't do? My goodness, right, yeah, what a ledge. Is there a teammate you would trust with the scissors to cut your hair? Absolutely that- no chance whatsoever. No, no, absolutely no chance. No one's going near this hair. Speaking of trust, Nully, thank you. Does that bring us to Teo's top tip? What did you tell us was going to happen last week, Teo? Um, I do believe I said that Newcastle was going to beat Sydney for the first time in 10. That didn't happen. Um, Mm. So this week... I'm looking for a different streak and a different chance at redemption. Do you Can- mean you're just looking for the right call? Look, let's let's just roll this out <laughs> and then we'll let the players sort it out on the pitch. The truth is out on the pitch. Canberra are winless in their last eight against Melbourne victory, dating back to January 2017. The only member of the Canberra squad that is still with the team is Nicky Flannery. It's been that long. This weekend... 
Canberra head to Melbourne and they will break that eight-game winless streak against the victory. Well done, Canberra. Congratulations. That's my top tip. And we're really sorry, Canberra fans, that you had to hear that here first from Taya with his record as it currently stands. Taya, thank you so much. Ish, thank you. Always a pleasure. Marlene, good to see you. Thanks, Nee. Thank you so much for joining us at home. It's been awesome to have your company for Dubzone tonight. If you miss it any Sunday night, you can catch us on the Liberty A-League podcast through the Keep Up app or wherever you get your podcast. But for now, enjoy your football and we'll see you next week.